Welcome back to the show. This week we have Split Decisions, Debuts, and a special guest. I'm Coach Snow, and this is my corner. Welcome back to the show. We have time for a quick recap of this weekend's events. Um, so just right off the bat, I know that I spent a little bit of time last week talking about the debut fight of Kanako Murata against Ronda Marcos. Uh, it went more or less how I thought it was going to go. Um, I'm actually a little shocked that, uh, Murata wasn't able to finish Ronda Marcos. Uh, she looked great in this fight. She's got really next level grappling and that's what kind of what we saw on display. Um, her grounded pound was phenomenal and, uh, hats off to Randa Marcos for surviving through, through all of that. Uh, I'm very excited to see what Murata does going forward. Um, it kind of reminds me of when Holly Holm made her debut because we have someone here who was very impressive in their career up to this point. And then when they have their debut fight in the UFC, it doesn't go, it's not as spectacular as what you might have thought it was going to look like. Um, I still think that it was an, an interesting fight. It, you know, the argument is going to be made that it wasn't the most exciting fight. And I guess that's up to, you know, it's up to personal interpretation. It was a lot of grappling. Um, there was a couple of times that Murata was warned that she needed to be busier on top or they were going to stay in the fight up. With that being said, um, it kind of just continues down this route of showing that Randa Marcos, who is, even though she's one of my favorite fighters, just isn't as good as she used to be. Um, and it, and it pains me to say that, but she now does have a losing record of 10 and 11. Uh, I would really be surprised if we see her again in the UFC, which kind of bums me out. But at this point, you know, she needs to start looking at it because, um, She's just not doing as well. So either some very serious changes need to be made or maybe this is maybe this is it for her. So I don't know. I hate to say that because she's still young and I do think she still has talent. But she got absolutely smothered in this fight and um, there wasn't any given moment that it ever looked like she really had a chance um, or that she was ever in control whatsoever. So... Um, I know I talked about Brendan Allen and Sean Strickland last week. They were meeting in a catchweight fight. This fight definitely lived up to it. It was very exciting right from the first bell. Um, Sean Strickland uh, won the fight by TKO. Uh, very impressive. Very, very impressive. Um, both these guys, if I remember correctly, are coming off of losses. Um, this is a good fight for Sean Strickland. And, you know, like I've mentioned in the past with kind of the way that 185 and 205 are going right now, this was a catchweight fight at 195, and um, it was very fun. You know, the fight was only uh, about a minute and a half long, um, or a minute and a half into the second round, I'm sorry. The fight itself was is very intriguing right from the beginning, Um I was impressed with both of these guys, to be honest with you. I think both these guys had their moments. Sean Strickland just looked a little more polished, uh, a little more like he knew what he was doing, I guess, in there. Um, and that showed. 
when he was able to get the finish um, early in the second round. So I'm excited to see, you know, what's going to happen with Sean Strickland going forward. Like I said, I, I think that this guy's a, a, a great fighter. I don't know that he's on the level of really um, even kind of the top 15 in light heavyweight right now. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. It's kind of a weird time uh, when you don't have either John Jones or Daniel Cormier fighting for the 205 belt. It definitely uh, it feels it feels wrong somehow, I guess, or it just feels different. So, uh, with Jan Blachowicz being the champion right now, uh, a lot of great contenders coming up. Some people that are knocking on the door of the top fifteen or the top ten. Um, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting time again at 205 because you know for the last you know, better part of the last six, seven, eight years, it's just been, it's either been Daniel Cormier or it's been John Jones. So to see it be different, um, is exciting and it's new and it's definitely, uh, I think it shows a shift in the light heavyweight division right now. So I'm excited to see what happens and what kind of contenders we have coming up and, uh, and you know, how the, how the, the division moves. With that being said, you know, the plan of, as far as I know, still is to have Israel Adesanya step up to 205 and fight Jan Blachowicz for that belt. And if that fight takes place, you know, I've talked about it until I'm blue in the face on the show, but I'm very excited for that fight. And depending on how that fight goes, that is really going to paint a picture for kind of the future of this division. Because if Izzy's able to come in and do at 205 what he's been doing at 185, I mean, it's just going to build to his legacy and it's going to be a dynasty. It's going to be like Anderson Silva was at middleweight. And, you know, for lack of for lack of comparison, it's going to be what John Jones was at 205, where you just have someone who is just the greatest of all time. So, you know, I guess we'll see. Um, Ashley Yoder was able to win her fight against Miranda Granger. Um, it was an interesting fight. Um, I would not call it a super exciting fight, but it was a very good opportunity for Ashley Yoder to show that she is growing in leaps and bounds, um, in really every skill set, both her stand-up and her grappling. So, um, you know, for, for the strawweight division, it's going to be probably... One of the more interesting uh, divisions to watch next year, and I don't mean just in women's MMA, I mean just in MMA in, in general. Um, with Zhang Wei Li as still the champion, and guys, I'm telling you, if you haven't, if you don't follow the UFC on Instagram, um, go look at one of the more recent videos they posted of her uh, landing some body shots. There's not very many men that are landing body shots that hard. So, I, uh, you know, and this girl's fighting at 115. So, I've got some concerns about really anybody at 115 right now. I'm excited to see what her next title defense is going to be and how that goes. Um, but this girl just is, she is so impressive every single time that she's in there. And that's kind of the story of the strawweight division right now is that there's so much talent and it's so much fun to watch, um, you know, with people like Mackenzie Dern, for instance. Um, you know, 
it I'm looking forward to next year uh, with bated breath when it comes to the strawweight division because I just know that if it keeps going the way that's going right now, it's going to be one of the must-watch divisions of 2021 for sure. Um, moving on, uh, probably my favorite knockout, definitely my favorite moment of the night. Let's you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. This fight night was not the most exciting and not the most intriguing uh, that I've seen in some time. I definitely probably should have started the show with that. Um, but if there was one shining moment in the night, it was Chaos Williams versus Abdul Al-Hassan. Oh my God. It is one of the most impressive looking knockouts that I've seen. And in a year that's had some absolutely devastating knockouts, um, man, this one to me immediately went into the top 10 because... If you watch the fight, the fight is only 30 seconds long. And, you know, uh, Chaos had maybe thrown like a couple of left-hand jabs, just very quick jabs. But this was the first big right hand that he really committed to. And it stiffened that guy. He went like, he, it was like a board, how stiff he, stiff he went when he got hit. Um... I don't know. I feel like I sound ridiculous. It is, um, he starched him. I mean, it's crazy. It's one of the, like I said, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm getting, anyway. It's one of the most exciting knockouts I've seen this year. And for it to come 30 seconds into the fight, you don't expect it. You don't expect someone, you know, it was like when Conor McGregor fought Jose Aldo. You don't expect like the first punch that the person commits to, to be the one that ends the show. And that's what happened in this fight. You know, like I said, you can watch the fight. There was a couple of leg kicks that he threw. And I want to say he threw maybe one or two very short jabs. And they were more just feelers. But the first, like, actual punch that he really, like, sat down and committed to just just put Al-Hassan to sleep. And it's incredible. Like, it's, it's very, very impressive. So this guy, Chaos Williams... Man, he's 11-1 and now after this fight. I am very excited to see more of him at welterweight. Uh, you know, there was a time when welterweight was like the division to watch, and right now, there is, um, it's not terribly impressive. Um, you know, Kamaru Usman has just walked through everybody he's fought, and... Um, at this point, you know, we're starting to we're starting to run out of some contenders. So to see fights like this and to see guys like this coming up at 170, it is uh it's definitely renewing my faith in that weight class. So I'm looking forward to see what KS Williams does going forward, but man, after this fight, that's a guy that you need to watch for sure. Uh main event, Paul Felder versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Um you know, RDJ stepped back down to lightweight for this fight. There was a time that RDJ just kind of was just a, a force to be reckoned with um, at lightweight. And, you know, we haven't seen that for a while. Um, RDJ is one of those guys that I'm just... That there are definitely impressive fights that he has. Um, there's definitely things that we see out of him that I am just... That I'm just kind of, you know, that I'm uh, that I'm impressed with, but 
I've never been like fully on the hype train for RDJ, and I know that that probably is is just sad to a lot of fans because he's a great fighter, um, and he's prolific. I mean, he's thirty and thirteen. He's been doing this forever. Um, you know, forty three professional fights in MMA is is nothing to turn your nose up at. Um, I've just never been a huge fan. I've got respect for what he does. Uh, and I've got respect for his longevity and for the, you know, like I said, just how long he's been doing it. Um, he's just never been one of my favorite fighters to watch. And that unfortunately was kind of the story, you know, again, of this whole card is that there was a lot of, uh, not very well known names. RDJ is probably the most well known name on this card. And the fight definitely didn't disappoint. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear conversations about somebody and, and the only thing that they will talk about is how much heart someone has. And that is the conversation that was being had about Paul Felder after this fight. Paul Felder took this fight on five days notice. I'm not taking anything away from him. He saved the main event of this card and he, you know, stepped out of the broadcast booth and went in there and, and put on a, and put on a fight. Um, he lost the fight by split decision which was kind of shocking to me, um, just for, I, mean, I don't know, I, I, I never I feel like I understand the judges' scorecards in these fights, and a lot of times I feel like they're watching a different fight than I am, but there wasn't really too many times, you know, there was, in the first round, both guys kind of had their moments, right, and, uh, but there really, to me, there wasn't like a big point throughout the rest of the fight where it really looked like Paul Felder was winning the fight. Um, he spent a lot of time on the cage. You can just look at his face after the fight's over and he was a, he was a bloody mess. Like there's not like any given point that I felt like, man, Paul Felder might pull this out, you know? So, you know, in my mind, um, I had RDJ four rounds to one. I thought it was a unanimous decision win. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty one-sided. Um, you know, Paul Felder hung in there and he took a lot of damage and he made it through the whole fight. So I get the conversation around him having a lot of heart, but I honestly feel like that if that's all you can say about somebody is how much heart they have, it kind of felt like when, like when Chris Cyborg would fight somebody and they wouldn't get knocked out in the first round and the fight would go to like a decision and there would be there was conversations about, oh my God, you know, this person has so much heart because they lasted, like they just got beat up this long and they never quit or whatever. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's a fair assessment. I think that Paul Felder does have a lot of heart and I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but even the, even in the aftermath of this fight, there's no big discussion around Paul Felder or how well he did in the fight or what's next for Paul Felder, because honestly, and I think I talked about this last week, is that Paul Felder has talked about retiring. He's talked about being done because he doesn't like going and being gone on these training camps, and he doesn't like um, how much time it takes away from his family. And and honestly, like I can see it. And if this is kind of the level that he's at right now, that he's fighting somebody like an RDJ, and he's getting beat up this badly... I don't know, guys. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. But to me, that kind of feels like he should be done. 
So I don't know. You know, I don't know what's next for either one of these guys because the lightweight picture is so crazy right now. Uh, I don't see either one of these guys being major, like top 15 or, or top 10 players. Um, you know, I don't see either one of these guys fighting for, for the lightweight belt, you know, anytime soon, probably not even within the next year. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, realistically this card, you know, I feel like I've, I've talked for longer than I was going to, um, for a, for a card that wasn't super impressive and that wasn't very exciting, there was, there was, I had, a, I guess, a lot to say about it, so, but that's, that's it for, like I said, for a quick recap for the week, that's all I've got, uh, I'm gonna take a real quick break, and when we come back, we will get into headlines. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I want to get into a couple of headlines here. Um, you know, realistically, there's just one headline that kind of popped out at me as the one that I wanted to talk about this week. Um, and that is that there is a scheduled rematch between Uriah Hall and Chris Weidman, and it's been verbally agreed to for UFC 258, which is in February of next year. Now, Uriah Hall's coming off of you know, a, a pretty impressive win over Anderson Silva. And I talked about that last week. Now, you know, I spent some time talking about how I thought Uriah Hall looked good in this fight, but he also was fighting a well past his prime Anderson Silva. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Silva because Silva still looked good in this fight and honestly looked better than Uriah Hall up until he lost. Uriah Hall was doing a very Tyron Woodley-esque uh, impression when it came to fighting, and that was that he refused to really get into a rhythm. He did; he wouldn't let his hands go, but you saw that when he did let his hands go, he had the power to absolutely crush Anderson Silva. Now, not saying that Silva is hard to knock out. I mean, you know, you know, honestly, if you're if you're bringing it up, you know, I talked about the Anderson Silva and. Um, and Chris Weidman before, and in that first fight was Silva was you know letting his trash talk and his uh, his overconfidence get the better of him, and so when Weidman hit him with that left hand, it wasn't even like a very big powerful left hand. It was a very short, uh, just very short left hook, but it just connected just in the right spot and just when Silva was like as far back as he could go, and it and it knocked him clean out. So I don't think that Silva will go, well, he, I don't think he's going to go down in the books as having like this rock chin or anything of that nature, but, um, you know, getting finished by Uriah Hall, who, you know, hadn't really like even thrown that many punches throughout the course of the fight, I think is, is still pretty telling. Now, Chris Weidman, uh, since his, since he went up to two, you know, he went up to 205 and got immediately just sat back down again. So I'm not a hundred percent certain what we're looking at for this fight. My guess is that it's going to be at 185. I think that that is the weight class for Chris Weidman. I don't really see why he ventured up to 205. Um, 
but obviously it didn't work out very well for him. So I think 185 is for sure the way to go. This is an intriguing fight to me. Um, if for no other reason than because both of these guys should still be in the conversation around legitimate fighters and legitimate contenders going into 2021. Um, I would say Uriah Hall a little more so than Chris Weidman, just given their recent records. But, you know, it's hard to take much of anything away from either one of these guys. With that being said, while I am excited for this fight and it's a fight that I want to see, I am going to go on the record of saying, and I'm sure I'll talk about it, you know, next year, uh, but I don't think it's going to be a super interesting fight. I think it's going to be, you know, Chris Weidman is an Olympic level wrestler, so he's in theory going to do what he does best and he is going to try to wrestle down Uriah Hall. I think that if that's what it comes down to, then Chris Weidman has the edge. I think that if it stays a stand-up battle, and don't get me wrong, I you know I've said it before and I said it a lot every single time I talk about that Silva versus Weidman fight is that you can't discount Chris Weidman's abilities on his feet. He does have some boxing abilities. I don't think his boxing abilities are as good as Uriah Hall. With the caveat being that Uriah Hall actually has to let his damn hands go. Because if he doesn't, then it's for nothing. Because if he's not actually throwing punches, and he's not actually committing to those, then it doesn't matter. Because if all he's doing is just throwing short jabs, or not throwing anything at all, and it comes down to this, he's like feeling his opponent out, then he's just going to get taken down and he's going to get out-wrestled and out-grappled, and that's going to be the fight. And that's not a fight that really anybody wants to see. People, people want to like Uriah Hall. I like Uriah Hall, but it's hard sometimes. And it's the same thing with Tyron Woodley. Like, I like Tyron Woodley, but it's so hard sometimes. And especially in this last fight when he fought Colby Covington. I wanted Tyron Woodley to go out there and just smash him, but he threw like 10 punches. And that's embarrassing for an elite level fighter to just go out there and just refuse to even throw and you're just getting outthrown. It would be different if you didn't have a high punching percentage, but it was because you were constantly being taken down. But when you're fighting somebody and they're not constantly trying to take you down and you're still not throwing punches, I start to lose some of that sympathy for you. And as much as I like Uriah Hall, that is kind of what I see happening in this fight. Is if he can't adjust, and that's what we hope, obviously, you know, that's what I hope, is that he adjusts from this last fight that he had with Anderson Silva, and he learns that he's going to actually have to throw hands if he's going to have a chance of going out there and winning. If he takes that to heart, and that's what he trains, and that's what he drills when he comes into this fight with Chris Weidman, it could be a very exciting fight. But, we've wanted to see it for years out of Tyron Woodley, and we've wanted to see it for years out of Uriah Hall. And it's 2020, and we haven't seen it. So, I'm not going to hold my breath and hope that that's what happens. Um, I like this fight on paper. I like it as a fan, and I like it as someone who enjoyed their first fight. But 
I just don't know that it's... I don't know that as excited as I am about the fight, that it's a fight that's worth getting all that excited about. So, um, the only other headline that was big and, you know, I've been accused of being a little bit too spicy when it comes to John Jones on this show, but, you know, honestly, I think I, I don't think I'm spicy enough, but he has become the Kanye West of mixed martial arts and that it's that no matter who is talking about what, he has to make the conversation about him. It doesn't matter if it's at a different weight class. It doesn't matter about anything. It doesn't matter if it's someone that he's beaten. It doesn't matter if it's someone he's never even fought before. Every conversation has to be about him. And here's the thing. He continues to, you know, he. so the most recent drama is that him and DC are again going at it again. DC is retired. We're not going to see these guys fight again. That's just all there is to it. You know, they fought twice and and John Jones won technically the first fight. Second fight was overturned to a no contest because da 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 steroids. So John Jones keeps having this same well that he goes back to about his suspensions being ended and how he's cleared and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing. Chris Cyborg popped for steroids like a decade ago. And literally Jermaine Durandamy would like vacated the belt and would not fight her because she had tested positive for steroids before. And she said she wasn't going to fight her. Dana White barely would bring Cyborg even into the UFC because of her allegations of steroid use. Well, it's not allegations. She had used steroids in the past. Same thing with John Jones. He had used steroids. That's all there is to it. You don't piss hot. You don't pit test positive that many times and get to say, oh, no, it's I didn't do it. That's all there is to it. And, you know, Jones does have one good point is that when you are at the top of the food chain, when it comes to USADA and steroid testing, it's guilty until proved innocent. And here's the thing, guys. Even though... His suspensions were lifted. Nobody ever came back from USADA and said, no, John Jones didn't test positive for steroids because that didn't happen. He still tested positive for it. And that is going to be on his resume forever. Like that doesn't go away. It didn't go away for Cyborg. It didn't go away for, you know, for, you know, people still talk about um, Alistair Overeem about how big he was when he fought in strike force. So you don't get to just because you're cleared to compete now, it doesn't it doesn't it's not like everything that ever happened to you before just goes away. That's still there. Now, with that being said, it would be much different if John Jones wasn't again trying to be the Kanye West of mixed martial arts. If he didn't have to make every conversation about him, if he didn't have to just constantly be berating everybody that had anything bad to say about him, he can't handle criticism. And, you know, if you, if you want, if that's what you like, if you like somebody that's just going to, that's just has to be a complainer and just has to uh, make everything about them and just has to whine about everything, then fine. If that's what you like, go for it. I don't think that John Jones is a bad fighter. I think that he has given up uh, quite a bit. And he wants to talk about how, you know, his his shot at Daniel Cormier was that DC lost his last fight and he quit sport. 
Dude, Daniel Cormier is like 41 years old. He had told everybody forever that he didn't want to be fighting into his 40s. Didn't matter if he won his last fight or won it. That was going to be it. So you don't get to use that as like, oh, we lost a fight and you walked away from the whole sport. That's that's a joke. That's a that's a huge joke. And, you know, John Jones is still young. And if John Jones wants to redeem his career at this point, he has to quit saying, oh, I'm the best that ever was. And that's just all there is to it. And it's just silly for anybody else to say otherwise, because that's not true. That is false. He isn't the greatest of all time. And it's not silly for anybody else to say that he's not. That's a hard fact. And that's a hard fact that someone has to tell him over and over because he's not going to get it. Because he's too busy on Twitter trash talking retired fighters that he's not going to fight. And now he's even saying that the fight with Israel Adesanya doesn't even interest him anymore. Because, and I think we all know this, Adesanya would starch him. And I will, that is the hill I will die on. If John Jones fought Israel Adesanya and beat him, and actually beat him, and didn't just run around the cage with his, with his fingers sticking out, and land five or ten shots per round, just enough to win the fight, I would be shocked. So, yeah. And, you know, I was told that I talked too much about John Jones' uh, escapades outside of the UFC. Well, I don't care. I don't care. Because he makes it impossible to be a fan. Unless you're just that kind of person. Unless you're the kind of person that likes that personality. Then it's it's really hard. Because if it's not the steroids, if it's not the cocaine, if it's not the hit and runs, if it's not all the antics that he's getting into, and, if, and certainly if it's not his little Donald Trump-esque Twitter meltdowns that he keeps having and getting into these these huge arguments with people for no reason. Um, I just don't see what it is. I don't see what the appeal is anymore. Is it because you think he's a great fighter? Go back and watch his last fights. He's not a great fighter. <laughs> he knows how he knows how to win fights. He doesn't know how to be he's not a great fighter anymore. I think it's still probably in there, but at this point he doesn't care. He's, he's there for the paycheck, and, and, it, and it shows. It absolutely shows. He spent, like I said, he spends the entire fight backing up with his finger sticking up and throwing a handful of oblique kicks and some jabs from the outside just enough to win rounds. And again, the, it, is, it is the hill I will die on that Dominic Cruz beat him in that fight. You know, he barely won that fight by split decision. He barely won his fight against Santos by split decision, and Santos fought four rounds with one leg. So, he's not a great fighter anymore. He's just not impressive anymore. And um, and that's it, guys. I mean, you know, that's that's my hot take on it. I think that he is afraid of the fight with Adesanya. I think that all he cares about is this this super fight with Stipe. I think that's going to be a big money maker. It's a fight that I would watch. Um, I think that John Jones has the ability still to be able to beat Stipe, but nothing in this world made me happier than see Stipe knock him into another universe. So we'll see at this point, we might get to see John Jones fight somebody in 2022. He may fight somebody about the same time that we're able to find PlayStation fives in stores. So who knows? Um, all right. 
Uh, so that's it for headlines. Um, when we come back, we're going to get into predictions, and we're going to have a special guest this week. Uh, Madam Sophie Snow is with us, and she's going to give us her hot takes on the upcoming pay-per-view this weekend. And welcome back for predictions. I am joined in my studio today by my lovely daughter, Sophie Snow, and we're going to be running down some of the events of the pay-per-view this weekend. It is UFC 255, uh, Figueredo versus Perez. So we're going to start with the fact that we have both Shevchenko sisters fighting on this card. Um, Antoni, Antonia, Antonina? I have no idea. The other Shevchenko versus Arion Lipsky. Uh, and that's going to be at flyweight, and that is going to be on the prelims. So between these two, what do you th- what are your thoughts? Who do you think is going to win? How do you think they're going to win and why? I think... Who? You got to say her name. I think it's Perez. No, right there. Lipsky. 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 Yes, very good. Okay. You think she's going to win? Mm-hmm. How do you think she's going to win? I feel like she looks more stronger than the other. You think she looks stronger? Uh-huh. How, like, do you think she's going to win by knockout, submission? What do you think? I think knockout. You think knockout? Yeah. Mm. So it's interesting to note that uh, Lipsky is a plus 140 underdog going into this fight. Uh, against Shevchenko. She's 13 and 5, so she does have a little bit more experience. Um, so I think, you know, um, you know, I'm not sure that I would agree with you. I think that Shevchenko's going to win this fight uh, by decision. So that's that's my call. Okay. Um, we have the Brandon versus Brandon fight, which is Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royval. Uh, that also is going to be on the prelims. This is also a fight that I'm excited for because I always like watching Brandon Moreno fight. I think he's one of just the most adorable little dudes that I've ever seen. Um, and this is an interesting fight. I mean, Moreno is going into this fight as a minus 180 favorite. Um, I'm hoping that he wins. I, I hate seeing him lose. Like I said, he's just an adorable dude. But um, what are your thoughts? I definitely agree with you. You agree? Yeah. How do you think he's going? You think he's going to win by knockout? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it would be it would be fun if he did. I think he's an exciting fighter. Uh, like I said, he's one of my favorites. I'm not 100% going to say that he's going to win by knockout, but it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. So we might be right there. Now, we have, um, getting into the actual pay-per-view, we have Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Paul Craig. This fight, I don't know that I could get more excited for. Paul Craig is one of my favorite fighters. He's got a big beard. He's just a crazy-looking dude. And he's fighting the absolute legend, Shogun. So, between Shogun, who, uh, Paul Craig, who do you got? I'm pretty sure I'm agreeing with you, Paul. Paul Craig? Yeah. Yeah. I think that Shogun is one of the greatest to ever do it, but he is going into this fight as a, uh, as a plus-150 underdog. I think that Shogun is probably way past his prime. I haven't seen anything out of him recently that would lead me to believe that he still needs to be doing what he's doing. 
Um, I think Paul Craig is younger, hungrier. He's kind of the new blood. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to this fight. I'm going to say Paul Craig by knockout in this fight, I think. What do you think? Hmm. I really can't decide if it's knockout or by choice. Hmm. Yeah. By decision, you mean? Yeah. Okay. So, Caitlin Chukagan versus Cynthia Calvillo. Calvillo. I'm excited for this fight. We just saw Caitlin not that long ago. Um, I still think that she is one of my favorite fighters. She is 14-4. and four. Um, She's had two knockouts, one submission. Uh, her last fight was a loss against Jessica Andrade, but that's not the end of the world. But she does have a win against... Uh, the Shevchenko that's fighting earlier on this card and a loss to the Shevchenko that's fighting in the co-main event. So she's fought both of those sisters. I think that she is still an impressive fighter. And I'm, and again, you know, I talked about it earlier that women's flyweight division is so intriguing going into next year. Um, with that being said, Cynthia Calvillo is nine and one. Um, she still is a very legitimate threat She's going into this fight as a minus 250 favorite. Uh, just, I think, mainly because she's, you know, like I said, 9-1. and one. She's very impressive. And Caitlin Chukagan's coming off of that loss. So, what do you think? What's your, what's your thoughts on this fight? I think it will be Chuk again. Chuk again? Yeah. Chukagan? Yeah. How do you think she's going to win? Just by her name. Just by her name? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anybody win by their name. I feel like their name, I don't know. You just like her name? Well, no, it's just because choking it. Oh, you think she's going to win by submission then? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll see. <laughs> Platinum Mike Perry versus Tim Means. Uh, I think originally, I, wanna, I can't remember who it was. This fight fell through. Um, it was originally supposed to be someone else in this fight, and I can't for the life remember who it was. Uh, Robbie Lawler, that's who it was. Robbie Lawler. Now, I was much more excited to see Platinum Mike Perry versus Ruthless Robbie Lawler, but Robbie Lawler had to pull out of that fight, so now we get Tim Means. I still think this is an incredibly exciting fight. I'm actually excited about most of this card. I've seen a lot of chatter online about how this is the most boring or unexciting card of the year. They're saying it's going to have the fewest buys. I don't know. I mean, if you're a real, if you're a real fan... There are some big names on this on this card, and it could very well be one of my favorite cards of the year. Now, I always say that, and then we get into it, and it winds up being an absolute joke, but we will find out. So, um, Platinum Mike Perry, Tim Means, what do you got? You got face tattoo, or do you got guy that's had, like, 40-some-odd fights? Um, it's like 40? Is that good or bad? Well, I mean, he's 30 and 12 and 1, so... He's had 43 fights, and he's won 30 of them, so... Is that good? It's not terrible. I've seen worse. Um, I don't know if I'm correct on who I'm thinking, but I'm thinking it's Mike. You think Mike Perry? Mm-hmm. That's face tattoo guy. <laughs> I like Mike Perry in this fight, too. I think that he brings a ton of energy. Um, he's a very interesting character. He's also someone that we've seen just kind of continuing to improve throughout the last couple years of his career. So I'm excited for this fight. Um, I'm going to say Mike Perry by knockout. So co-main event, Bullet Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya. Um, who are you thinking? You tell me who you think, and I'll tell you if, if, if you're right or wrong. Maya? 
You think Maya? Mm hmm I think Maya is going to get decimated. Why? So, there is not very many people that are as terrifying as Bullet Valentina Shevchenko. She is one of the scariest fighters that I've seen, male or female. And, um, goodness, like, she just has left just a best of the best in her wake. So, she's 19 and 3. So, in her last five fights, she's won all of them. And she's beaten Caitlin Chukagan, Liz Carmouche, um, Jessica I, Ioana Jacek, and Cachuera, who I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. But, and in those fights, she has won one of them by submission, two of them by knockout. So she's had three finishes out of her last five fights, which are all wins. I don't know who, if anybody, at that weight class is going to put up a challenge. I think that um, I think that Maya is a good choice. I think that she's earned it. She's eighteen and six. I definitely don't think that she has a um, she doesn't have a terrible record or anything like that. I mean, she's three and two in her last five fights. Uh, her last fight was a first round submission of JoJo Calderwood, uh, who is one of my favorite fighters. Um, she does have a win over Roxanne Modafferi, and she has lost to Kaylin Chukagan. So I don't know. I think that she's an impressive fighter. She's Brazilian. There's no point in counting her out, but I think that I think that Bolt Valentina is gonna run through her. I'm gonna say Bolt Valentina by knockout or maybe even I uh, I would say knockout over submission. Wait, I agree now. I have changed. You've changed. Yes. I convinced you. Yes. Well, you know that's all I'm trying to do is try and change some minds because, here. Because like she's, I feel like she's better. I feel like she's better than. Now, because I don't know much about U.S. stuff, the fights. The fights. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's why that's why we got you here for your expert opinion. So. I'm not an expert at all. I've maybe watched U.S.A. fights. U.S.A. fights. Yeah. U.F.C. fights. Yes. Sorry. For maybe a few months. The whole world is listening to you, so don't don't be nervous or anything. <laughs> Just kidding. I think I've only got like ten people listening to this, so. I'm part of those ten. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for putting my business out there. So, main event, Davison Figueredo versus Alex Perez. Uh, Alex Perez is 24-5. and Davison Figueredo is the champion at flyweight. is 19-1. and um, Davison Figueredo is a scary, scary dude, uh, especially for a guy that weighs 115 pounds. He is... Or 125 pounds, I'm sorry. He is terrifying. So, um, he had a submission win over uh, Joseph Benavidez in his last fight and the fight before that he knocked out Joey Benavidez um, he's four and one out of his last five fights um, with three of those being um, with yeah three of those four wins being by by a um, finish sorry so uh, I think Davison Figueredo is going to make it look easy he's a minus 320 favorite in this uh, probably the biggest um Second biggest favorite of the night. Uh, forgot to mention it when we were talking about Shevchenko. She's a minus fourteen fifty favorite going into that fight. That is, that is by a lot the biggest, um, the biggest one sided odds of the night by a lot. But the second one is going to be Davidson Figueroa uh, 
versus Alex Perez. So, Figueroa versus Perez, who you got? Figueroa. Figueroa? Mm-hmm. How come? I feel like he just more, looks more muscly and, he like, does. stronger. He is. He's very strong. He looks like he's literally been carved out of stone. For a guy that weighs 125 pounds, he is all muscle. It's, in, it's insane. I don't know how he makes weight, to be honest with you. I like him because he's got, like, the blonde hair, and he's got, like, the Kratos, because his thing is God of War, is, like, his ring name. So he's got that cool red, like, Kratos paint in his hair, which I like. But, yeah, I think he's an absolutely devastating fighter. He's one, He's probably one of my favorite fighters to watch at 125, um, and I am very much looking forward to this fight. So uh, I'm going to say Figueredo by knockout in this fight. Figueredo by knockout, too. Okay, awesome. All right, so that's about it for the uh, predictions going into this weekend. What uh, what final thoughts do you have for us? Who's your Who's your favorite fighter? Do you have one? Mm, probably um, who we just talked about. Davidson Figueredo. Yeah. Is your favorite fighter? Yeah, he looks so much stronger than like all the others. Have you ever seen any of his fights? No. Who's Who's your favorite person you've ever seen fight? Um, I. Don't recall his name, but like in the fight, I don't know if any of you guys saw it, but the fight was I think it was like five round, and he kicked someone like really hard on the side, and it bruised so bad. So the the fight that she's referencing is her favorite fight that she's ever seen, and it was Jan Blahovich versus uh, uh, Dominic Reyes, and it was when Blahovich won that fight. Uh, she got very excited about all the bruising that was on the side of Dominic Reyes from the body kicks and the body shots. I don't know why, because I think she's a sociopath, but, um, she's still talking about that fight right now. So if that goes to show you how good that fight is, maybe that's a good candidate for, for my hall of fame. What do you think? Yeah. You think it's a good one? Is that one you'd like to hear me talk about? I would like to be in it too. You'd like to be in that one too? <laughs> I think you just want to watch that fight again. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, <laughs> we'll see what we can do. So, all right, guys. Well, that's it for uh, for today. We'll be back on Thursday with the Hall of Fame. Um, I'll you know I'll remind you guys then. But we are going to be taking off next week for Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be back after that, and we'll be talk. We'll break down all of this the stuff that we talked about today. So, um, yeah. So that's it. So you know, as always, make sure you give us a follow. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave me a nice review. I'd certainly appreciate it. Um, if you're wa- if you're listening to this from a link on a social media website, please give it a share, give it a like, give it a comment. Let somebody you know that likes listening to me drone on and on about John Jones. Um, let them let them know about it and tell them tell them where to find me. Uh, I'm available on all major podcasting services now. Um, if you do want to get at, get in touch with me, it is coachsnowpod at gmail.com. Are you okay? <laughs> Your dad is not that funny. <laughs> I'm glad that you think so. I appreciate that vote of confidence. Yes. <laughs> Again, it's uh, coachsnowpod at gmail.com. Um, you know, drop me a line. Let me know what you guys think. If there's something you'd like me to talk bo- more about or honestly, if... If, if you want me to talk less about John Jones, then sorry about you. You don't have to listen. But all right, guys, that's it for this week or, or for today. I'll be back on Thursday. Will you stop laughing at me? Oh, my God. 
Uh, I'll be back on Thursday. That's it for today. Hope you guys have a great evening. And uh, if anybody's selling a PlayStation 5 for a reasonable price, holla at your boy.